Hi everyone and welcome to the the, the Nerdy Up North podcast. Couldn't talk there. Uh, the Nerdy Podcast hosted by two Northern Nerds. I'm one of your hosts, Sam. And I'm the other host, Paul. And this week we are taking our top five into the comic realm. Yes, scary times, scary. We're going to be brave and, and put ourselves out there and talk about, like I say, one of our first loves, shall we say? Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely for me. It's kind of like what led me down the path of this nerdy life. Mm-hmm. And I am, um, it's, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Wow, what is wrong with me today? <laughs> But, uh, sorry. It's all right, don't worry. It, it's it's one of them things. Is, we're doing it a little bit later this week. Normally we've got a bit early, so um and, and it's really to... throwing us off. I feel like I haven't seen you like in ages, but it's only <laughs> been a week. <laughs> it we really has thrown us off. <laughs> and we don't have any special guests this week, so no no Kelly's. We, we do miss two. you, the Kelly. <laughs> Kelly was so funny, so funny. Definitely have to have Kelly up back on again because she really did like lighten everything up. Because I think that, I think this this conversation this week might be slightly a bit on the grim side. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because comics there's not there's, comics are not very typically bright, especially in these era. I think when we go back to when my dad's age, it was very cartoony and very vibrant, yeah. and like I said, some of the artists and colours they used then um, were a lot different. There's a different palette, shall we say, especially yeah, uh, from our age, like from the 80s, 90s, uh, even mm-hmm. even to the early early 2000s as well. Uh, a lot of the stories that were told are quite dark and menacing, which yeah. probably did why it attracted us to both to the dark side. <laughs> yes. Yep. So as always, we pick our top fives and we go through each one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got no news this week, and no, no news. No, no we haven't really prepared news. Um, I know there's been a few things that's kind of glistened out. A uh, few notable things, like I say, uh, the abomination and Wong fighting in the new Shang Chi trailer looked interesting. Certainly picked me interests, and also the announcement of rumours that John Lithgow is going to be returning to Dexter in the next season, even though it's only for a day's film. Is it Flashback. I'm flashback. Thinking, I, I flashback. think it's a flashback. That's only where they can Probably do it. Flashback. But uh, that's a little bit exciting as well. But I can't is, really. Is that it? Can't really I don't, think, I don't think I've heard. No, I haven't heard anything on the. I haven't had because normally I get notifications of anything big mm. coming out. Um, the Lithgow is is brilliant, but I was worried on how they were going to do it until I was until I heard it could be flashbacks, and I was like, as long as it is, because then you've just taken away one of the greatest series because mm-hmm. season four of Dexter is it's mm-hmm. where my level like for me I always measure everything up to how I felt watching that series yeah. and it was all because of him mm-hmm. and if you take it away that you were like reconning what actually happened <laughs> to him I'm going to be furious yeah. <laughs> no. so as storytelling wise that season was perfect that, I think as you said that is the the perfect season i don't think anyone perfect yeah perfect from start to to that end scene i will always remember we were me and Anne were just we didn't talk and that's not us yeah we talk through everything we delve into everything while it's happening in real time and we didn't say an actual word and i just i didn't even blink mm-hmm. the tears dropping and it was just, it was phenomenal. It was just, it was the best, the best series I, by far. Like I cannot, 
nothing tops it. Yeah. For me, personally, for me. No, definitely. Like I say, I don't know the new season when it comes out. Like I wouldn't mind revisiting Dexter and discussing it with you. Uh, that like yeah, would be an interesting, interesting one. one. Yeah, just to go through, just because I know uh, the top five things, it's fun, but I wouldn't mind getting into a little bit more of the old series and stuff just to, just to go through it. Definitely. Definitely. I was, I was thinking that the other day that, you know, we need to just, we could just sit down and have conversations about anything really it doesn't have to be top fives it's just this is kind of what's led us into this <laughs> glorious podcast yes um so let's get started because sure. i've got a feeling you think that this isn't going to go very far i have a feeling <laughs> we're going to talk to death about it so mm-hmm. top five comics paul you can kick it off great so my top five like i say i haven't went for the individual comics i've went for the trade back uh, graphic novels just because, yeah. like I say, it's a bit more media, it's a bit easier for it to discuss. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised because, like I say, when I thought about it, it was a struggle to come to us. And then when, like I say, I thought about it a little more and had a conversation like with Sean, my miniature little friend, um, he, like I say, everything kind of jumped out and I thought, right, these are the easy ones. And these are the ones that, yeah. like I say, got me into comics. And when I was into comics... Uh, kept us in, co- in the comics as well, if that makes sense. I'm no, going to go. Totally. I'm going to go with uh, this one first. It was um, a mini series. It was four issues, and I do actually have the first prints of these in front of us as well. So uh, uh, it was come out in 1996. Uh, DC mm-hmm. surprise, surprise. Um, surprise, surprise. Artwork was done by Alex Ross. I love Alex's work. Yes, and I've recently just purchased all the, uh, of Alex Ross's uh, steel books for the Universal Horror uh, horror things, and they are absolutely beautiful as well. Uh, but, he's, absolutely, he's a phenomenal artist. If you go on Instagram and follow him, because mm-hmm. you will not be disappointed. He posts regularly, multiple times a day, and he is fantastic. He makes superheroes seem real as well. And like his artworks, yeah. that it jumps out in the colours. Like I say, the real colours, but done in a vibrant way, which um, when I saw the cover for this as well, because I've owned the graphic novel before I owned the first prints, I, mm-hmm. I had to own it, and I'll show you them now. Yeah. Coming with all four, Kingdom Come. <gasps> Kingdom Come, I have Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I, I think I taught you about it. I'm like, it, I always pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot, for some reason get into it to where I'm gripped I don't know why it's an interesting and like I love the premise of it how it's set in the future it's not not today's day of Superman it's like all the superheroes that we love are aged and some are a bit jaded some are a bit like standoffish some are some are downright just pissed off <laughs> shall we say uh, basically the premise uh, of it is like I said it's narrated by um I've got his name now. I had his name. Um, it's like John, uh, Norman McKay. He's, called, he's referred to as the narrator, where it's just this old bloke who um, just lives a normal life and the spectre visits him and gets him to witness the end of the world, like the apocalypse, due to, like, say, what happens in the future. Mm. Um, basically, and then gets to retell it and he gets to make a choice at the end to try and stop from what is coming from happening, which uh, was yeah. quite an interesting take. So it's like all these massive superheroes, superpowers, com- com- like convulsion against it, mm-hmm. and this normal human being 
gets to make the choice to try and or try and avert it, which was uh, oh, quite a quite okay. a good premise. But like I said, basically it's set in the future where uh, Superman's taking himself out of uh, the world because he's jaded by by it all due to um, one of the big new superheroes called I don't know if I'm pronouncing this Magog. Uh, end up, uh, he doesn't have any qualms about killing, so he kills the Joker. After the Joker has created, like, been on trial for mass murder for killing, like, say, Lois Lane and stuff, uh, just oh. to name a few. And then the whole premise of Superman going away is basically the trial of Magog and how he's found not guilty for killing the Joker, even though he did it in front of the world because he said it was a mercy killing. Um, so Superman went, I don't want to live in a world where someone who commits a crime, like so blatantly, doesn't get yeah. punished. And then he decides, he gets brought back by Wonder Woman who said, we need uh, Superman. And that's where you get the, the black S, uh, the S, with the black in. And he's then trying to patrol and take over, like kind of police the world is in his vision. And again, right. Bruce being Bruce decides he doesn't like Superman's vision. So he gets a team oh against uh, Superman's team and they all kind of come to the end and um, Isn't like it like DC's version of Civil War? Like, is that kind, like Kind of, but when they're like, all old and stuff um, like, Alright, okay, old man <laughs> Civil War Old man <laughs> Civil War, pretty much, yeah But um, I'd say it's just interesting like um, Alex Ross's artwork um, brings everything to life, like so much and um, and like when you go to visit Gotham, like Bruce isn't patrolling anymore. He's got bat robots that's patrolling on his behalf, and he's like it's an episode. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, well, so Bruce did it first. I'm not giving Stark his premise for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's and like I say, when you go through all the characters, it's got all them there. Like uh, Captain Marvel's in Billy Batson, uh, Lex Luthor's still there, running, uh, trying to twist things and make things and he kind of aligns with Batman at on one point so you don't know who of course he does <laughs> of course he does anything just to, anything to get at Superman of course he would true but without giving too much away it is an interesting take and for a graphic novel if you're not really into comics and you want to dip your toe in it it is an easy read and it is beautifully yeah. beautifully like drawn and you um, oh. I know Alex Ross has done other things, but to me, that's the first one. I, I got introduced to Alex Ross's artwork and I was mm-hmm. obsessed with it for a long time. It's brilliant. It, it's one of Ant's favourites. Um, he absolutely loves it. Probably isn't taking much... Because Ant is essentially the same as you. Loves DC. <laughs> yes. Like we, You can see my collection and his collection. It's like half and half. So mm-hmm. I do have a lot of DC that I can go to. It's just it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my first choice. But it was a, a recommendation he gave us back mm-hmm. in the early days because he said it is something you don't need to know too much about it. Like you know the basics mm-hmm. as long as you know all the basics and who people are. And if you don't, you'll find out who they are along the way. You don't mm-hmm. really have to concern yourself um, with knowing everything. So yeah, but I just I constantly pick it up. It's like Secret Invasion. I constantly pick it up. I read the first part and then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I put it down and then I forget about it. And then I'll go through the cycle again. Yeah. I, I love do the, it quite regularly. 
and, and that's going to sound really strange, but it was a little bit like Where's Wally as well, because you're going through it and you're spotting all the different old superheroes, the heroes that once were, grew, like mm. in the age. It's like the Flash has now morphed into like a being that's moving too fast, so he can't yeah. stay still ever. And he's like one of the pictures that I actually love of Alex Ross is uh, the Flash is like kind of in two forms, like because he's moving that fast. He's it's like the frames like kind of merging together, but. Like when you go through all the who's who's of like say of uh, the DC universe is in it at some point, and like even like the children of the Joker or like people who've said, "Oh, I love Catwoman," so it's just basing their co- outfit on Catwoman and stuff like that. It's just like say, as you said, for someone that, if you don't know too much about comics, it's easy to pick up, and you don't have mm-hmm. to basically know too much about it to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I think like a lot of mine, a lot of mine are like that. Where if you've not read a comic book, you could quite simply just pick this. What I did, mm-hmm. like the ones that I've got, I picked them up like without knowing anything. Like yeah. I know, well, I picked my first comic book up in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Never stopped reading since, and I educated myself, and I, mm-hmm. I found out myself who I want because of like the first one I read, who I wanted to read about, and where I want. Do you know what I mean? It, it just yeah. It can start your journey, basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. In a, <laughs> in a very corny, cheesy way, it does. It could essentially start your comic book journey because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people always ask us, "Where do you even start?" Because yeah. DC, Marvel, even Image, like issues are ongoing, reruns are done, reboots are done, and they're like, "Where do you even start to pick up?" And it's like, just find a one-shot graphic novel. Hundred percent agree. And you take it from there where you want to go. Because that's how I did it. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a bit yes. of education for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so there's my first pick. So Kingdom Come. Uh, Kingdom Come. Nice one to ease us in there. <laughs> who, who wrote Kingdom Come? Was, did Alex write it or did he just draw it? I think it was Mark Wade. Oh, really? Yeah, so Mark Wade and Alex Ross on the covers. Um, like I said, I didn't even think about like say the writers. I, I know I know you probably geek out about. Oh yeah, I'm more, um, I'm more the writers. Like. <laughs> I just like the how how pretty things look. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> see that that's what I found hard when I was reviewing comics because I look at the writing style, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't essentially looking at the art style. And when I was looking and trying mm-hmm. to like research how to review a comic book, everyone focused more on the art. Yeah. So I had to like I had to start learning how to describe what I was looking at but I think that's it, how it's given us a whole new like look on it because I always just look at the writing style I'm looking at the script because we for me at the time the script was taking us through the story but essentially yeah. it's everything else going on around it but I think that's why me and you get on so well especially when we start doing things like this because of our different backgrounds you like your background has always been the creative writing like say Mm-hmm. and your opinion where like I say I've always been like well, I used to be a graphic designer and designing aspect mm-hmm. I visually pick things before like I say reading like I say the stories do mean a lot to us when you yeah. get down to it but it has to gra- grasp us visually first for us to then uh, want to once I oh definitely because once I understood what I was looking at is not just a person moving from point A to point B mm-hmm. it changes how you perceive your comics going forward mm-hmm. like at the moment i'm reading um and this, this is not on my list this is just part of my reading list at the moment is the um, marvel's brought out a new beta ray beta ray bill series right. okay and it is absolutely 
stunning the artwork in it because Bitter Bill is <sighs> horsey lizard kind of looking. <laughs> like he's not the most attractive, like he's strong. Mm -hmm. And if we could get a version of him in the MCU, that would be incredible. But oh, he, is he, is, not, he, is, he is going to be in Love and Thunder. Oh, is he? Yes, he's been announced. I, I don't know who's playing him, but it, they have said that Bitter Air is going to be in Love and Thunder. Oh my God, I did not know that. I'm so happy. This series has given us a whole new love of Bitter Air <laughs> Bill. And it, I, I am broken reading it, Bitter because he's basically, he's had his whole armor, because he's, he's, he's armored suited. His face is hidden by armor. And he's lost it. Mm. And he's lost Stormbreaker. Right. He's got like he's going through what Thor did in the MCU when he lost. I can't say it. Menu. Menu. It doesn't really <laughs> suit the Northeast accent, does it? It does not at all. <laughs> and he's he's lost Stormbreaker, and he's trying to, and he feels like he's lost the love of his life because mm. he's lost his his helmet, and he's just. He's going through a really hard time of like insecurity over how he looks, and I am so broken for him. But this series is fantastic because the artwork is immense. So I, that was the that was where I was going with with me, Bitter Air Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I really am enjoying it. It's a good series. It's only a few issues, and if anyone wants to go and pick it up, really cool. good. Recommend it. Cool. So, right. my, so, so that's my, my first pick there. Let's move. Really good. See what you've got there. Uh, <laughs> right. You know what it is. It was the first comic book I ever read, and right. I had to introduce. I, I had to be honest with myself in this. I could have been really smart and clever, and like I've, I've said to you before we started recording, I could have been smart and clever, and getting all me old, like the independent stuff out, and be like, "Yeah, look at me, I'm so so sophisticated." <laughs> but no, what I am is going to be honest. Yeah, it was um, released. Oh God, I did not get the date of it. Um, so sorry for that. Um. It was written by Mark Miller, and this artwork was done by Steve McNiven, and it is Old Man Logan. For anyone watching on YouTube, you will see it pop up right now. Um, this book means the absolute world to us, like the world to us. I was in a very, very dark place. I needed something to distract us. Video games was a big part of it, and picking this book up, led us down a path I didn't know I was going to go on and I absolutely I, I owe everything that sounds ridiculous but <laughs> no, it's, I owe... it's, it's quite quite because people would say the same about a song or they would say stuff about a book so why shouldn't mm -hmm. people feel that way about comics it's just it, the story is phenomenal and I wanted to write notes on it but it's really hard to like to pinpoint stuff within this book of what's your best part and so I thought I thought I'll do a little story time and I'm going to read the right. actual it, I guess it's kind of the synopsis mm -hmm. so if you're not a, a comic book reader uh, Mark Miller is the guy who wrote Civil War mm -hmm. and it is from the creators who brought you Civil War comes the greatest Wolverine adventure of all time they were not wrong uh, a future world savage and really should have thought about this before I decided to read it because I can't read it this one. <laughs> uh, savage and surrendered by its worst supervillains, the United States is and what it used to be. Its geographical boundaries more 
<gasps> morbidly remasked as the prize winners of a war of the bad guy, a war of bad guys who won. It's people wasted away, negligent, and the new evil overlords. So basically, the world of the United States is split into three, mm-hmm. and it actually gives you a map of it at some point in the book because it's like you've got the Hulks on one side, mm-hmm. you've got Doom on the other, and I think it's Kingpin on what? There it is. And Kingpin on the other side. So it's the, the Kingdom of the Kingpin, the Hulkland, and Doom's Lair, and the President's Quarter. Mm-hmm. And it's all split into the bad guys. And it is it is a wasteland. It's very, almost like Mad Max style. And yeah. Green is not... I was going to say not, that, that. I was going to say it did have very Mad Max feels to it. When you're, yeah, even when you're yeah. reading it. Uh, it was the comic book. I, I know Wolverine's had loads of interesting stories through the years, but that's the one that humanizes them the most. Hundred percent. It's a. It's a lot. Like obviously, the title gives it that it's Old Man Logan, and he's an older man who is. He's gone through some shit. He has mm-hmm. gone through a load of shit, and he doesn't give it away. Like he, you see little flashbacks of when he was younger, but it's not not enough to to make you realize what he's actually gone through. You just know that something's happened, but he's he's living in like a barren wasteland. He's got a wife, he's got kids. He's he's trying his best to survive yeah. just day to day. And he's a Hawkeye, bloody Hawkeye, <laughs> who is now blind, who is one of the standout characters of this. He is the biggest dickhead walking, <laughs> but he is so funny and kind of brings Wolverine back not back but he needs his help Wolverine kind of feels obliged um and I think they I think he's, something happens to his wife and kids it's been a very long time since I've read this book mm-hmm. um and the the twist at the end I don't want to spoil it for anyone but you find out like as to why what happened to Wolverine and why he's the way he is and everything from that night mm-hmm has an effect on him today and it is heartbreaking and it was that was the moment i was like i've just been captured by a comic book like (laughs) i could not conceive in my brain like that was unreal and it just Mm -hmm. started a love affair not just for marvel but just like comics in general Mm -hmm. um i i I, honestly i've got so much love for this book it is I had to put it on there. I wouldn't have been honest with myself. I probably, anytime I have a chance to talk about comic books, it's the first one I'll bring up yeah. because it's it's the, the the driving force of everything else I read. No. I just, I love it. It's weird though. I, I, I know what you get and I know how you feel. Like, see, I've read comics from an early age, even from like when like, my dad got his Debino and the Dandy and stuff because mm-hmm. them were British comics in a way. Um, yeah. Like, see, uh, you can't help but love love them. Um, and like I say, the artwork, as you said, and I like I say, then going from like the Beano to the uh, to basically Spider Man to X Men, then as you learn, there's so many offshoots and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it, I think people are going to laugh at me when we start talking about the choices because not to give spoilers, where all mine are going to be DC, and I'm not sponsored by DC, even though <laughs> it might sound that way, but um. The ones I read when I was younger don't have as much impact on us as the ones I've read now, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I, I think, think I get them more, I understand them more. Story, the storytelling's a lot different as well. The 
the um it's not everything's not over if you've read a book from the 60s and 70s like marvel for example if you go and read dr strange you go and read um the madness the uh, of madness ones or whatever that kind of sorry, so, so supreme and stuff like that yeah if you go and read them all the old ones they are incredibly detailed in every every movement you know their thought process because they are telling you what it is the dialogue explains more than what you needed to mm -hmm. now you don't need to you because you can put what your interpretation on what you think that character's going through mm -hmm. and it's it's better i think it's it's just better storytelling mm -hmm. it doesn't they don't need to over over complicate what's already there and that probably just goes back to great artwork as well like very much so it's, yeah so there we go my number one pick <laughs> cool very good i do like as i said going back to the old man logan it's such an interesting take and like see mm -hmm. I, it's interesting that our first two picks isn't superheroes in the prime yeah if you thought. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. oh yeah, yeah. I, I i didn't i didn't plan it this way i just i had a I had to make sure that one was out there first. And if you like, with regards to the film, the Old Man Logan film, I am not mad that they used that name, even though. And it did actually have some aspects of that. Old Man Logan. It just, yeah. And yeah. also, all new, all different Marvel, the event that they had probably, I think, about 2016, maybe 70, they mm -hmm. did bring out another version of Old Man. Not an, it was a follow on story. Mm -hmm. um, I read a few Im issues of it. It didn't get us. I didn't mm -hmm. get us in the feels like I was expecting it to. I thought, oh, great, a continuation. It just didn't didn't hit us. The film didn't bother us. I, I really enjoyed the film, actually, apart from, I think we've talked about this before, the swearing mm -hmm. aspect of it. That no. that's, that's funny enough talking about swearing when me and you are notorious for it now. <laughs> I am the worst. I have a horrible mouth. Um, and I understand that, but I don't expect Professor X to have the same, <laughs> same vocabulary. True. Exactly. Exactly. Very, very much so. But, but yes. Gonna move uh, on to number two. Cool. So, um, let's have a look. So this one was a thirteen issue run. So again, it's only a mini series again, but there was thirteen issues. Mm -hmm. Um, it was wrote by uh, Joe Flob. I don't know if I've said that right, Joe Flob. Um, artists were Tim Sale. Uh, now again, this one didn't grippers with visually because it's very abstract in ways but still mm -hmm. still I can say uh, I think as I said with story wise this was a great story um it's it is a Batman title which you probably has already okay. guessed by now and uh, it, it did have every like the Royal Gallery of members I'll just name a few well name a few of the members that's in it uh, so starting off it had uh Calderman. It had Maroni and Falcone, Two-Face, Scarecrow, The Joker, The Mad Hatter, Poison Ivy, Riddler, Catwoman, um, and again, like, well, Two-Face and Harvey Dent. So uh -huh. it, it came out, just getting the right date, 1996 to 1997. Mm -hmm. It was The Long Halloween. Batman I don't think you were going down that way. <laughs> So, I just couldn't remember what it was called. This is a one that is on my list, but I want the full mm -hmm. thing. I don't it, want to um to get it individually. I want the full thing. 
I had I did actually own the first prints but I did sell them not too long ago because I'll be honest the prices did shoot up um, a few years ago so I, I did make a tidy little profit there not going to lie <laughs> um, very clever when it comes to things like that I must say <laughs> but um, I wish I kept it a bit more because it's shot up in price recently with the Robert, Robert Patterson because apparently they are using the story of the long Halloween as basis to the new Robert Patterson Batman um basically the, the tone of the film is um mm-hmm. there's a mysterious oh. ca- not the, of the of the comic it's a basically <laughs> um every holiday there is a murder so every big like valentine's day saint patrick's day halloween christmas there's a new murder by this new killer that's that's going about and batman's doing his best to try and negotiate and see who it is. It's he's, That's why he's going through all the, the rogue gallery to try and mm-hmm. find out who is committing these crimes. And then he goes to uh, Candleman, who's locked up in Arkham Asylum, trying to get clues, and everyone's playing them against each other. Um, it's just a quite an interesting uh, tale, and it's the first time in my eyes, like we're from reading Batman, because a lot of it's all about the action. This is more to do with the detective side. And it's quite interesting to see or read, shall we say, I keep saying see, uh, how it was based. And I know they did use elements of this story when it came to, like I say, the Batman Begins film. I know they, mm. they shifted completely away from it, but they did use small elements of it with, like I say, the crime families and how the crime families operated and stuff. Um, a lot of it yeah, wasn't. You, you don't you don't see a lot of that in some Batman things, do you? Like that, the mob is mm-hmm. there. You yes. Just, you, when you think of Batman, you think of his the Joker. gallery of the Joker, Joker the Penguin, Two Face. Uh-huh, like you know your your unusual characters. You don't really think that like, the normal human beings, mm-hmm. the mob, are mm-hmm. re- like really there within that universe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it does tell you the origin story of Two Face as part of this as well. So. It, Again, oh. it's quite an interesting read, especially if you're a novice to Batman and looking as a jumping off point to start reading about Batman comics. This one is a perfect one because you don't need to know what's went on before. You don't mm-hmm. even need to know what's on after. It's just a set alone story that's based in this 13 issue or like I said, this graphic novel. And um, it was quite a long one as well, like quite a thick one. Um, I know recently as well they've just done the animated movie with uh, Jensen Eccles playing Batman um, in it. That's where DC gets me good is their animated films. Mm. They are absolutely superb. Well, so the, I'm looking forward to watching that. They've broken up in two parts as well because, as I said, the comic is quite mm. a long one. So yeah. uh, part one's just came out and... Again, so around about the same time, I read two Batman comics read simultaneously. It was this and Hush. Now, I loved Hush. Hush this one, this, this is better in my eyes. People can argue or say I'm wrong, but I love this. And again, with Batman and how it works, there is a twist at the end, which I'll not spoil. And it's quite an interesting one. And one you pretty much don't see. Well, I didn't see coming, uh, so it kind of surprised us. But yes, um the long Halloween, I would always recommend it. Anyone who wants to read DC or Batman at, at its best, that mm-hmm. in my eyes is one of the best comics there. Um, isn't it perfect though with Batman that you don't have to have anything that you jump into with them didn't have it before? 
Mm-hmm. So you don't, there's nothing, you could literally like, you could jump into any one of Batman's stories and you don't have to know the ins and outs of everything. I always thought that was perfect about Batman. Like, because mm-hmm. it's, the story is like, you get to find out everything as you go along anyway. Yeah. But I think with Batman as well, it's, is that ingrained in pop culture now? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what happens to his parents. Even if you're not a comic book fan, yeah. you know his parents were shot in an alleyway. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Spider-Man. It's exactly like Spider-Man. Like you don't need to know the Uncle Ben side of it mm. to know what's going on with Spider-Man. No. Um, because it's already ingrained with us in pop culture that, you know, great... What is it? With great power comes great great responsibility. My brain is like absolutely mush today. With great power comes great responsibility. responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about comics and we can't even see it right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But you're the Marvel girl, so I'll walk away from that one, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take the slack for that one. I do, I do want to read it, but like I said, I want it all in one, in one go. I do like, I do, I loved Hush, and I only read Hush last year. Mm-hmm. When, um, and I always try and find when I'm buying comics when I have like, because I go through phases with comics. I get really into it again, mm-hmm. and then I kind of like pull back again. Mm-hmm. I do, I, I, I'm, I, I always do, but I like. I hate, I'm at a point now where I hate picking up individual issues. Mm. I, I'm, I get a bit fed up. I just want something in me hand to read right now. I think DC spoiled it for me um, maybe in two or three years ago when they'd done the new Rebirth um, kind of Rebirth. phase and literally everything came out and I went, oh, Telling all new stories, but some of the stories and some of the artwork was atrocious. I'll be honest. I, I know people might hate this for it, but I think it was a waste. I, I like the new 52 when they did the it then. 52, yeah. And some some was... interesting stories like when they brought in the Court of the Owls and, and, and stuff. Oh, that's, that was good. That's an the thing, but uh, from the new Batman, I stopped collecting them uh, about, say, a year and a half ago, and I've sold most of, it, most of them on because they were just taking up room and um, didn't really interest us and there's not been any, I know they're doing the new, is it the black label now? The black label's been good for DC. If you, again, yeah. it's more of an adult tone it's when they, a, when they showed. Adult, it's an adult, yeah. When, uh, like I say, DC got a lot of flack for Batman getting his cock out, but um, <laughs> we weren't oh ready God. to see the Batman. My God, <laughs> Batman has a penis? Oh no, yeah. my God. Um, the, the, dark, the black label is absolutely phenomenal again it is it's issues that you can just go and pick up you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to be a hardcore uh, yeah. comic book reader um what was i gonna say oh my god what is wrong with my brain James? <laughs> it's like mush i just can't remember anything do you know what it's an it's the one time where i've thought to myself i can i don't need to write notes or anything i don't need i, I can be able to i can talk about this i do it all the time and i mean brain's just like mush today I'm going to blame hair fever. That's it. I've been blaming hair fever for everything else, so I'm going to blame hair fever. No bother. But, I uh, know, really genuinely don't know what I was going to say. But yes, but that, that was my second pick, The Long Halloween Batman. Awesome. So again, anyone out there, pick it up. It is, it is a fun read. Awesome, Beans. Right. I had... I knew when I was going into this list of the writers, because I am very much about writers, I knew who I wanted to have on my list and 
I knew I wanted this. I wanted this guy. I just couldn't quite figure out which one to pick because I was actually worried you might have picked another one of his. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an English writer. He is the most bizarre person. If you listen to any of this guy's talks, he is off his trolley in the best possible way. It again, I have not wrote the date down for this one. God damn me. Um, but it is an Alan Moore book. Right. Okay. It is a DC book, mm-hmm. and it is the second comic book I read. It is Alan Moore's Killing Joke. Ah, not on my and list. And it's right here. Uh, what were you going to say? Your least just, favorite? No, not my least favorite. It's not on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, I, I, I love the book. I was just, when you popped up, I was just saying which version it was. Sorry. I've <laughs> been a nerd there. Because um, I, I, I know with the different, uh, like that's the hardback cover, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. realise there was different versions of it. Ah, I, just, I was go- I Google. I yeah, had this like, for a while. Yeah. When you look at the Killing Joke, it's normally like if it's a soft cover, that was all, mm-hmm. uh, the writing was done in different colours, depending on which uh, printing it was. Um, right. So yeah, I had a water damaged first print, uh, but again, um, it didn't really fit into, like I say, because it's it's too thick to frame and it, it doesn't really sit like unless it in a pile. And if you've got a first print, you don't really want it to sit like yeah. lying around type thing. Oh, definitely not. But yes, definitely not. It's it was very dark. This one, this was well, it's Alan Moore, very, so it's going to be dark. <laughs> yeah, Alan is um, Alan's work, like his work really is he's, he's I, I think I read in an interview once and anyone can correct us maybe I might be wrong on this but even he didn't really want to write for DC I like, don't think he, write, he wanted to write for anyone <laughs> he's a, yeah, he has such an opinion doesn't he he's such an um, angry wizard I would describe him as an angry yes, wizard he is, he is. Um, but Killing Joke is uh, it's essentially his interpretation of the Joker's origin because I don't think there is a Joker origin like really I just think this is Alan Moore's take on the mm-hmm. uh, origin of the Joker um, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before but if you want to to understand the killing joke and what it what it could what it means not what it means but like the, the ending of it um Grant Morrison says it perfectly on a Kevin Smith podcast. It's a four hour long podcast, by the way, but Grant Morrison is probably one of the most interesting people. I always said he was my spirit animal because he is so interesting to talk about. And he, when he said that about the killing joke, because I'm going to spoil this one because in order for us to talk about this bit, but at the end, there's the whole thing of Batman and the Joker. They're going through the same process like they always do. And the Joker, like kind of is, you know, we're always going to do this dance together. I'm going to do something bad. You're going to try and kill me. But guess what? You'll not because you won't kill us. And we will just do this forever and ever and ever. And at the end, he tells a joke. And they're both laughing at this joke. And then the and then the, the kind of the panels disappear from them too. And you see their laughing bubbles. And mm. then one laughing bubble only remains. And it's Batman's. Yeah. And Grant Morrison was like, you know, because the people didn't know how to interpret it. And Grant Morrison was like, well, he killed him. Oh. It, he, he killed the Joker. That's right. like, 
he was he's he he was sick of mm. the the fact that he because it, it, he was sick of the fact that the Joker was always he was always going to one up him. Uh huh. Yeah. He was always going to one up him, and yeah, and it's like it's it was such a brilliant way of interpreting it. But essentially, it's the Joker trying to prove that anyone under any circumstance can go mad. Yeah. And he does it with Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. It's really he, sad, this one, though. It's exactly. really sad, because yeah. obviously what happens to Barbara, that's it's devastating what happens to Barbara. Um, because, again, you can interpret that scene however way you want to, because mm -hmm. a lot of people say she was... She was assaulted, sexually assaulted. She wasn't just shot. Yeah. Um, but that's, again, it's similar to like some of the old horror films we used to watch. It was stuff that you didn't see and you used to imagine yeah. and think about that kind of affected you more. So, oh, def definitely. Yeah. Um, and he, he obviously he's taken Barbara in the way that he does and then he, he kidnaps the commissioner and he puts him through like a fun house of terror to try and get that mental break in him mm -hmm. and it doesn't work the way that he, int he intended it because Jim's a lot more stronger yeah. than what he was and um, because he's I think he's trying to understand where his mental break come from mm -hmm. I think that in, in a way and um, it's such a fantastic book Alan it's not the biggest of books mm -hmm. it really isn't this is a really thin <laughs> book um but what he but it still packs such a punch. Do not watch the animated film. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say it that. It doesn't do this book justice at I think, all. I think a lot of the animated films as well, some of them do take liberties with the source material and they try and mm -hmm. change it up to try and yeah. make it fresh. And yeah. it, it's there's uncomfortable bits in the TV series arc couldn't could never get past type thing mm. but yeah but as, as I said in the book like visually every single scene and everything that's mm -hmm. all the panels jump out and like it's like it is art it's pop culture art in it a is, lot of the things it and it's such a it's such a deep story as well because you're watching this man you you, he, he is really like the more I talk about it, the more I'm starting to even understand it nowadays. Like I'm still learning from it. Mm -hmm. Um, you you see, it's like two stories running in one. You see in modern day, you see in flashbacks of the Joker. Um, I can't remember his name, but you see in him coming in how he came to be. And his mental break was he lost his wife, lost his mm -hmm. kid, lost lost his job, did a bank robbery that went wrong, came fell into a, um bad of whatever it was the toxic was it, stuff was it the red hood wasn't this one because i know the red hood came no. into it um like i say with the jason todd story that's no. where they the give the joke of the origin shall we say it um but like i say I, I admit i haven't read the killing joke in a long time like i say i i just remember being shocked when i read it like say because mm -hmm. there is shocking elements like especially when he like shoots barbara and like i say leaves are paralyzed and well i've just we, we seen something that's kind of like uh, again this is another book i haven't picked up for a long time and this the this this commissioner gordon is tied up in the fun house and he's actually shown him footage of him sexually assaulting mm. barbara right. so it's not a case of interpretation 
-hmm. it actually happened. Um, wow, I really could not remember that. And it's literally the first page I've just opened up when I'm flicking through is that one. Mm -hmm. um, but that image of him at the door, I'm going to show it for people on YouTube if you can see it, this one right here, mm -hmm. at the door with these um, Hawaiian shirt on yeah. and the for gun the at her is, is creepy AF. Like, it is horrifying. And, and one of the image right there. Yeah, and one of the covers. Realize, yeah, the cover is iconic as well. I, like I say, I don't think yeah. when you look at certain uh, covers, that one will stand the test of time, and it will always be Definitely. like I say, one of the DC's best. Definitely, Alan is such a great storyteller. Even though he's as mad as a hatter, he is. Um, he's such a great storyteller, and that is for the for the pages it's done in. Mm. You, you can't believe like the story you're getting out of it. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind having a pint of a pint of beer with Alan Moore just to get see what 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 goes yeah. on in his head. And in my I, head, he's probably a really angry man, but hopefully, he's not like that in real life. <laughs> no, if he, he does. He used to anyway. He used to do a lot of talks, and them talks are available on YouTube. And I do. If anyone's a fan of him, do recommend watching them because he's a he's a very passionate person <laughs> very passionate person he had a lot to say on um stanley mm -hmm. with jack kirby and everything that went on around there he's just he's if i could have certain people in a room to talk to mm -hmm. him george r, r. martin uh, stephen king and grant morrison they are like my, my super people like, i would love just to sit and talk to them about the how how they write what they do, how they write what they do. Mm -hmm. Like, where the hell does it come from? My brain can't <laughs> even, my brain can't even expand to talk on this podcast for a bit because it's that much of mush. How do you write stuff on the paper the way that you do? Mm -hmm. So yeah, my, my number two, it was the second comic book I picked up after um, Old Man Logan. Again, it was just, it's it's one of Ant's, um, I think it's yeah well they're all what all events because i wasn't collecting at the time and mm -hmm. it just said again that's another one you could pick it you can go into it you don't need to know anything and it, it got me to like I'm, I'm a huge barbara gordon fan like mm -hmm. i love barbara i did not like what they did to her when she was oracle it used to bug the life out of us so i was very happy when gail simone brought mm -hmm. her back in the new 52 and that is that is just an amazing series if anyone has a chance to pick it up it's a quite a lengthy one it's barbara going through pdst with what happened to her um she's got family issues she's trying to balance a superhero life and a normal life and it's just such a fantastic read like i could not put it down it was literally one issue after the next after the next i did a whole day. i think it was christmas like you know that day at christmas when everything's over and you have like that day to like just do nothing Take it in. I read the whole of that series because I could not put it down, cool. and it's not on me. It's not on my favorites because I have more. I have other ones that that would beat it, mm -hmm. but it is a very good series. There you go. There's my number two, Killing Joke. So on that theme, two. I'll go with my number three, which, mm -hmm. funny enough, is done by uh, our lovable chap Alan Moore. Um, this one uh, was a DC offshoot. Uh, like I say, a lot of good comics come from the Vertigo issue. Uh, this is why I didn't pick it for. This is why I went with Killing Joke. I knew you were going to pick this one. So again, this one came out in 
the year I was born, <laughs> 1982 to 1989, <laughs> uh, it actually came through. There was 10 issues. Um, it was a very quintessential British comic as well. So, and it's, I'd say I try and stay away from political topics or political discussions, especially on the internet, just because it, it, it's like a red rag to a bull for a lot of people. But to me, know, this, this is a very political comic that still resonates today with mm-hmm. a lot of the things it does touch on. It touches on like Christi- uh, Christi- Christianity, homophobia, um, like say how governments police you and over saturation. A lot of people didn't like the film because um, due to someone's accent but to be fair I didn't mind the film I quite enjoyed it I love the comic but I've watched the film many a times and I always think it's a good film uh, Guy Fawkes was a big inspiration in this and it was uh, V from Vendetta which I, visually I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna swear for that but I fucking love this book <laughs> it was and I didn't when I was thinking of me Alan Moore was like I was thinking of Watchmen V mm-hmm. Vendetta from hell and I was like oh and also one of Alan's very raunchy um, one called the, I think it's called The Lost Girls mm-hmm. if anyone gets a copy of The Lost Girls don't what don't have a child about or your parents because it is the most filthy it's, it's practically porn in a comic but Alan does it so well it's brilliant and I was thinking which one to pick and I knew you would either go V Vendetta or Watchmen so I thought I'll play it safe and I'll go for Killing Joke <laughs> I love this book. I cried mm-hmm. multiple times through this book. And the one thing that really got me more than anything is you haven't even gotten into the story yet. Alan gives you an actual note of his thought process while writing V for Vendetta. And he explains, I think he did this in case, like for time, like you have to understand how England was at the time and why yeah, I wrote it was, this. It was going through Thatcherism and stuff like that, wasn't it? So, and it was, ex- yeah, yeah, and it was explaining that, you know, at the time of writing, and he was he like, give a date and said, Margaret Thatcher was on the verge of bringing in gay concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Like, That's it was just, terrifying. it got, it got me so badly. So you have that in your head before you've even started the book. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Like, see, that's when DC were like the offshoot, which was like uh, Vertigo, were doing edgy type of titles and things mm-hmm. that were off the wall type thing. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned a lot of Alan Moore's, like, see, I like A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. The comics. Oh, God, uh, you forgot about that. That was a, a good one. Like, see, uh, I actually met one of the artists one a few years ago, David Lloyd. Oh, really? Uh, he was oh, at really? Com- he was at a convention. I actually couldn't find it. I tried to get it out, but he actually drew V for us. Um, and signed it uh, to Paul. Um, oh, wow. I think it's under the bed in one of the storage things I've got. But um, like I say, I still remember this it, 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 just because, like, when you pick it up, you think, oh, it looks like, like a, a cheesy Guy Fawkes rip, rip off yeah. just, just by looking at the cover. And it's striking cover. And the character V is so interesting and mm. uh, how they played out as well because you think they're going to go one way and they turn the other and it's like say it's the epitome of having an anti-hero because he's doing wrong yeah. things but as it's as we all know right like say with Guy Fawkes and stuff trying to overthrow, overthrow the government and the government's run by a putrid horrible system which um, kind of resonates a little bit today but 
that's the northern yeah. in us. Uh, <laughs> but yes, without going too political, it, it shows you, and there's, like I say, a, a, quite a 19, uh, like George Orwell, 1984 type of feel to it as well, mm-hmm. like the control. And, yeah. And I, I think at the time there was, I, I still now, I don't think there's many comics like this or been no. like it since. I don't think many no. would dare tread on the things that I did tread on. No, but, I totally agree with you on that one. It but, pushed so many boundaries on this oh. book. It, it's mm-hmm. hard to believe it's still like... It was allowed to get out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. I didn't mind the film. And oh, I actually mm. thought Hugo Weaving was amazing. Mm-hmm. I really yes. enjoyed him. It was Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman's I'm accent was uh, doing, a, doing a best Dick Van Dyke uh, uh, <laughs> portrayal. Yeah, yeah, she was she was so much better than Keanu Reeves in um, oh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. So <laughs> always, if you are looking for really bad accents and you're like kind of trying to weird out, Keanu will always win at the worst accent ever because that is <laughs> awful. But, awful. Uh, true, but yeah, um, like I said, I've always I've ha- I've owned it multiple times in copies. Um, just because, as I say, I, I give it away. Uh, if someone mm-hmm. wants to read a comic, and as I said, without being like wanting to go to the, down the same superhero route, it is a standalone. Yeah. Like no other. And I, again, I'm one of them where I'm so happy that they haven't tried to like spin off from it or to do any sequels or do any others. Yeah. As a standalone, it's done in the way it is. It doesn't need anything extra because it kind of finishes the story and you think, right, yeah. I'm happy with that's where it. that's been I'm done. Happy. Yeah, I don't need this to go any further. I am, I'm surprised that they haven't done a TV series, to be honest. I'm really surprised that that just with the day and age of television mm-hmm. and, you know, television can is, is probably can be better than movies at time. Like, look how excited we are over MCU bringing <laughs> television into the it's, it's in, I just I'm, I always assumed at some point we would have a V. Mm-hmm. Um, v for Vendetta mm-hmm. TV series. I think if Alan Moore had anything to say about it, we wouldn't see <laughs> no. it ever again Potentially. on the big screen or small yeah. screen because he hates every adaptation done yeah. of his work. <laughs> yeah. some, to some degrees, I don't blame him because there has been a few missteps with his work. I know, uh, like I say, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen I've watched again oh, recently. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, if you watched I haven't again, watched then, it for a while. Yeah, it, when you think of the source material and like, the characters he uses, uh, that's one thing Alan Moore does well, and it brings life to characters that you mm-hmm. shouldn't really like, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they and yeah, enjoy it and you you feel it, but yeah, um, that's my number three pick. V for Vendetta. That's perfect. Alan's such a he's such an amazing storyteller. I actually wrote an article about him mm-hmm. um, many years ago and had to do some deep research. The man is just he's he's not just comics, just storytelling. Like I, I he used to write for. Um, Oh God, there's going to be people out there who are like, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but it, he, <laughs> he was a really interesting person, brought up in very similar backgrounds to our our lives, like mm-hmm. from the Northeast. Yeah. Um, even though he's not from the Northeast, but it's very similar. He was a working class of, type thing, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. And he's just a really interesting person and he kind of he brings the, the darkness yet 
not too dark into mm-hmm. his stories. Like you're not depressed when yeah. you're reading them. Mm-hmm. It's not depressing. As much as it's upsetting, it was it was when I cried over V for Vendetta, it was angry tears. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't sadness, it was angry tears that Jesus Christ like especially when you've got that forward in your head going into it, you 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 can't believe what you're reading. Like this was the, when we were born. These are the times of when we were born. Like my mother, my mum and dad were like in the like early, very early twenties. Like it's it's hard to believe that that's how the world were, was, mm-hmm. and still is. Like there's still aspects <laughs> of it today. Oh, my God, my God, <laughs> that's such it's such a good pick, but it is such a difficult one to talk about without getting angry, without mm-hmm. upsetting people. Um, but it is one to go and read. I couldn't recommend it enough. You need to. You need if you're gonna if you're gonna experience Alan Moore, experience it through this book. Or from hell because that is phenomenal. And Carolyn, you will get your ver- your copy back of From Hell very soon. <laughs> it's been sitting on my bookshelf for I God knows how many years now. But yeah, <laughs> that's a good choice. Right, my third one. My third one is a. I used to call it my Everest because it was the book that, again, just like Kingdom Come, like Secret Invasion, I picked it up, I started it, I put it back down again. It was released in 1991. The story was done by Jim Stalin. Mm-hmm. The artwork was done by the amazing George Perez and Ron Lynn. It is part of the MCU story. Mm-hmm but obviously it's where the source material comes from. It is the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> right, here okay. The cover right here yes. for YouTube people. It is, oh, I, I don't even know where to start. I think I read, I think I, when, we, when we were getting close to Endgame, and not Endgame, but Infinity, you know, War. Infinity War and, mm-hmm. and Endgame, I was like, right, you need to know. You need to know your shit before you go into this. Um, so it is, I, I, I'll, I'll say it is a mindfuck of a comic. There's bits in it that doesn't make any sense at all. And this is yeah, this uh, this is uh, what I was talking about when it comes down to overcomplicating mm-hmm. your, your book. Now, this is the first page for you on YouTube. Where's my camera? <laughs> God, look at how detailed that is, and it doesn't stop there. The artwork is just absolutely. Like it overpowers what you are reading mm-hmm. because there is so much to take in. But the story is obviously where the, the the Infinity Saga of the MCU comes from, uh, but in a very very different way. Yeah, um, the, the change it up the, where Thanos isn't wanting to cut balance. It's he's trying to impress death, isn't he? He's trying yes. to court death. Yes, he's, yes. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying to win his lady love death back. By saying, "Look at the power I've got in this uh, gauntlet," yep, not she is zero impressed by all of it. Yep. Um, so there, there is similarities in the MCU. You've got the Hulk being thrown down from the New Asgard to warn Doctor Strange that Thanos is coming. And in mm-hmm. actual fact, it was the Silver Surfer who got yeah. blown. Yeah. into <laughs> for long <laughs> out of the universe into, into the, dr stranger's arms yeah yeah and he got he was the one who 
um, who who get it. Um, Adam Warlock is a huge part of this group, which is why I thought when we saw him in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I was like, oh, yeah. we're going to see Adam. We're gonna, and then I kept thinking, how are they going to bring... How are they going to bring Adam in to save the day? But pretty much the is just... Carol Danvers for the kind of that type of aspect in this. So that power, yeah, that power, because you needed that power mm-hmm. to in order to defeat him. Because in that, you know, you are looking at you may have the, you may have gods and super powered people, but mm-hmm. it's power. That's what the Infinity Gauntlet is. It is just all encompassing power and. You need a, a Adam Warlock or a Carol Danvers. You need someone of that strength in order to come in and make that impact. I just really wish it was Adam. Yeah, there was a lot of shocks in this <laughs> comic as well, like um, things that you don't like. I know Nebula played a, a bigger part in the comic than she ever did in the films, but the whole. But I did like, I did like on Endgame. You had a lot of Nebula mm. within the, and I, I thought that was quite a, a nice nod to how. Mm impactful nebula actually is in infinity gauntlet yeah i did but, like that and the standout panel the standout page for me again i've never been a big comic this is where I'd probably different opinion i love him in the movies never really liked him in the comics was captain america but when he stands in front of thanos and and that big speech he gives about as long as one man stands in front of you uh, you'll never uh, truly uh, win you'll uh, always you'll never i've got can't He'll probably read it because you're there, but and Thanos doesn't even uh, say anything. He just snaps his neck. So that was the end of Steve Rogers uh, in the comics for a little while, due to that. Um, yeah, that was always. It uh, was almost. It was almost like Loki's speech. Um, Loki's speech when he says, "You'll never be a god," mm-hmm. and he breaks Loki's neck. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at a panel now, and it is the whole of the celest. Is it the Celestials? Yeah. With Galactus, Silver Surfer, like the all, and look at the beauty of that page. Mm-hmm. It is stunning. George Perez is a master at what he does, even if it can like absolutely hurt your eyes at what you're looking at. It is very bright. It is very colourful. The story is fantastic, and I do like that they took a lot of influence without directly doing the book. Yeah, with the the Infinity Saga, you've got to remember that. And I, I had this conversation on the group the other day that the MCU and the comics have to. The, the, there's a separate thing like within Marvel. There's always variations. There's mm-hmm. always reboots. There's always redo overs, and there's always multiple universes. All you look at, and this is how I look at it, is the MCU is just another extension of their universe, like another another that, part of the multiverse and i think you've got to be realistic as well there's only so much you can put on a screen there's only so much you can do like cost wise as well because you if could you, not do this book no you couldn't like if you try to do like i know as you said with you have the conversation about civil war mm-hmm. if you try to do civil war the way it was done in the comics you're looking at oh a two billion three billion film because the amount of characters you... Yeah, and it would probably be an an eight-hour film as well, so yeah. Yeah, Story-wise, it doesn't work. You, you, When it comes to comic book films, and especially Marvel, it has to fit it. They are creating the universe that is just influenced by the source material. And to do the do Civil War the way that it was done in the comics with the the superhero um, actor... What was it? Oh my god! I read this not long ago as well. Um, the superhero act 
where yeah. they had to all register. The Sicordia Act. Yeah. A, well, that's what it's the called in the the films, but they have to. It has to fit within what's happening right now. I find this really hard to explain, but I know what I mean. <laughs> I know what I'm trying to say. That yeah. Because if you are a Marvel fan, you know how many multiverses there is. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit. How can this not be another part of that? Just yeah. using... Well, we're gonna find by the we're gonna find that out in the next Spider-Man. So, how many multiverses we have? <laughs> That's very, very true. It's gonna get interesting. It's gonna get really interesting. I do hope we start to see a lot of people from this book coming into it. Like, I thought, and I don't think this is how Marvel's gonna go. I don't think we're gonna have another Infinity Saga like we had done for the last ten years. I think we're gonna have uh, another. I think we're gonna have a lot of. Run another films leading up to something, but not in the same sense as how it was. Yeah, with the Infinity Saga. We we had a discussion about that earlier. Um, I said, like I say, I don't think we're going to get another Avengers film for a long time. The next thing mm-hmm. that they're building up for is going to be, to be in my mind, it will be the Thunderbolts, with all the characters that's supposed to be coming in. But again, all power to because to be honest, we've had what. Three and a half Marvel, uh, sorry, four and a half Avengers films now. Because to be fair, yeah. Civil War was Avengers uh, 1.0 or something, but uh, <laughs> but it it's um, it's it, it keep it fresh though, as well. Because yeah, you could just keep churning out Avengers films. And oh my god, absolutely. I heard we, we need, I just don't think we're going to have the magnitude and the build up of what we did with Infinity Gauntlet for a no. while. But what I really would love to see is. Galactus being brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he is an interesting soul. Very, and I would love to see more of him. I just, when it comes to the likes of Galactus, I don't know where to start. When it comes to reading, like, there is, it's very hard just to jump into something that he's in. He's like Doctor Strange. Mm. Up until recently, Doctor Strange was very hard to find a series on if mm. you weren't wanting to re- read the early ones because yeah. he was always just a, a side character who just jumped into things. He didn't have his own series. It was only in 2015 oh, when Marvel brought out um, an, a first issue of Doctor Strange, and it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. It's one of my go-tos if you want to understand... Stephen, because he explains it perfectly within the first few panels what his life is actually like and mm. it's so good but Infinity Gauntlet is up there because I just I remember how I felt when I finished I, I felt like I felt honestly felt like I'd climbed Everest because <laughs> I finished my book yeah that I'd been putting off and putting off and it just reminds us that I should never I should persevere and I and think as well, you you probably still have that film towards it because you relate it back to, like I say, the films that you've seen as well. Because mm-hmm. oh, it is yeah, it is quite close. Well, it is big big changes in, in in parts, but it does have the feel and at times the look of yeah. the MCU to it as well. But again, great choice. Oh, I, I would I would I would never never knock it. Um, it's as you said, it's an individual one that I've read a few times. Again, it's not an easy read, but you do feel mm-hmm. like. It, it's it's strange because the way I would describe it, it, it's in like three parts. The beginning, brilliant. The middle bit, you don't know what the fuck's going on. And at the mm. end, and it kind of winds it up perfectly and finishes yeah. it nicely. It's just the middle bit kind of loses it for me, personally. Again, it might be down to, like, I might not have got it as much, but it, that's the bit I struggled with. 
I found it. Mm -hmm. As long as one man stands against you, Thanos, you'll never be able to claim victory. Noble sentiments from one who is about to die. <laughs> Snap. That's it. <laughs> and then, no, it's um, Silver Surfer coming in with an Adam telling him to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I really, I honestly thought we would have had an Adam, we would have Adam um, coming into it, but I understand why they didn't because it would have been, it would have meant that we would have needed his own, but you know, you, you would have had mm. to have that introduction like they did with Carol. Yeah. I do like that we, I like we have Carol um, and people might be very shocked that she is actually not on my list. <laughs> I couldn't decide when it came down to the writer who was one of my picks mm. and I picked something different. I didn't go with Carol. Cool. Didn't do it. So that's my number three. Let's move on to your number four. Cool. So I'm going to start this with a quote from the book. So, <clears throat> as soon as I say it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It was used um, in the promo to announce one of the recent DC films that was made. And I know me, what it is before you even say it. <laughs> to, be, to me, I get goosebumps whenever <clears throat> I even read this quote. So I hope I do it justice. I'm going to try my best here. <clears throat> So, I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in the most private moments, I want you to remember my hand your, uh, at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. So, yeah. I've got goosebumps. I can, I, which title is it? It's Ed The Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller. I was so close to picking, this was on, I had a, a Book. I had all my books out of my favourites mm -hmm. and it was there and I kept bringing it forward and then pushing it back and I was like I haven't read it in a very long time I could not hold a conversation with it but that speech right there when they did that at Comic Con mm -hmm. it was I'd, to announce Batman oh, versus Superman yeah I'd, mm -hmm. it, it, it gives me goosebumps oh you did you did well done <laughs> well done no I absolutely adore this this like I say, I, I'm always a big Batman fan. Like I say, I love all the elements, but this, me, to me, is the best Batman comic that has ever been wrote. Um, it's just perfect. Like I say, again, similar to Old Man Logan, it's Batman when he's 55 years old. Uh, Frank Miller done him perfect justice. Um, it was a four-parter, and each comic had its own iconic view and looked absolutely stunning. Like I say, I'll, I'll admit I've never owned them. I've always wanted to, but they've always been out of my price range, I'll be honest with you. Um, written, it was again written by Frank Miller. It was penciled by Frank Miller, inked by Klaus Janssen. Um, but, wow, the story of an aging Batman who kind of given up is drawn back to Gotham because Gotham's went to shit, which it was always going to do. Uh, the fight, one last fight, and in the end, like say, Batman, a Superman has become a bit of a, shall we say, a government stooge, doing hits, mm -hmm. hired hits for the government. And they need to basically get it out because Batman starts getting too much power and he's like getting people, like he's got his own legions after he took back Gotham from, like say, all, all that was going wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and the battle scene, like I say, was so well done. And it was the 
makes it the end battle was even done in Crime Alley, if I'm if I'm right here. It makes it, I'm, I'm sure. It's been such a long time. And, um, and the best thing to me, like say the thing that again, I don't like when it gets to comics, like films I get emotional, but comics I can kind of like take a step out because I'm like watching it, but the end panel when the it's like on a camping trip with the scouts and mm-hmm. it looks like it's Bruce Wayne. Um, and it's kind of like he planned it because to me Batman is the ultimate strategist and even when he's fighting with Superman he would never lose in any type of situation even though he's just a man in a, in a silly bat outfit yeah. he, he always had a plan and he always has a backup plan and to me that just reinforced my love of Batman shall we say um, no, I, yeah didn't they do an animated series like an animated film of it too they did like but I don't, think, I, I don't think I've ever watched it just because I I don't think I would have I would have compared it too much to it because this you one would have definitely especially if you've got such a if it holds such a place in your heart you are gonna you are gonna look at every mm. little detail of it I didn't mind it um, but I I read the I have read the book and um, mm. again it's one of Anne's it's in Anne's collection and yeah. I think this is issue, I think I lent it to somebody and I shouldn't <laughs> have and I never got it back so I had to I had to, I had to buy it again and it is it is phenomenal but again I couldn't I couldn't say I couldn't call the conversation with it because it no. has been such a long time since I've read it but and I, I do think when I was going through my comic book like 101 like history 101 mm-hmm. that was like one of the after my first two was like one of the ones I went to next. I felt like I needed to to read the classics in mm-hmm. order to move forward with what was out at the time, and that was one of them. Brilliant yeah. choice. But like I say, nineteen eighty six as well. So again, I would I probably I'll be honest. I didn't really probably cap read this until my late teens. So mm-hmm. it probably's been out for a long time before I even come across it. And when you think of like cartoony. Uh, Batman or cartoony Spider-Man and like how colorful survival. There's nothing vibrant about these this comic. There's nothing, no. I would say, art-wise. It's basic at best at times. Yeah. But that's Frank I think Frank a, Frank, Frank, Frank Miller's style. Way of doing that. With, yeah. Like say similar yeah, the- with Sin City and stuff, which he done, which it does have a similar look, but. Well, no. I think the more of Daredevil, like Daredevil's quite the same because mm. he's very the only bright colour that you have there is his red suit. Yeah. And everything else is it just it just mirrors mm-hmm. the shit that is, <laughs> is going on around him and the dark like uh, the darkness that like what he would see, he's kind of the only bright cut Frank is a is amazing. I don't think I get I don't think I appreciate Frank as much as what I probably should do. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like I say some of the comics he's done when you think back so we've had discussions about comic book films as well if you think about like Sin City we talked about mm-hmm. in quite length like he brought them characters life and it's very film noir and again this Dark Knight Returns is very film noir in style and yeah. tone and feel um, I think he captures the darkness perfectly and mm-hmm. um, I know like I say everyone will say I, I, I bleed for Batman Batman is everything like I say I've loved about comics. Um it just for some reason given some of man of suit powers doesn't really well, I still love it, but it doesn't can't relate. But give someone pain, someone uh, revenge, mm-hmm. um 
the fact that he's driven by this and he's got like fair enough he's a billionaire but he's got it nothing helps. special about him yeah no it, it, i mean that is that that is all he has for him going for him and is is the fact that he has a lot of money it it um oh my god what's the matter i was forgetting to <laughs> see i was going to talk about batman and um, no that was it superman but batman has a, a bat, he, he has a reason to do what he does superman it's, 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 he's just a boy scout he's just like yeah, say, the ultimate nice yeah, guy he's, he's the too. john cena of the world and he's just <laughs> too nice too nice for his own good i've never been drawn to superman i said to you no. this before i've tried me hardest to to get into superman feeling that mm. i i do want to know a little bit more about him but then i'm like yeah. oh, he's just boring to me just watching john cena yeah to me if you give us a Superman comic, I'll be bored. But if you give us a Christopher Reeve Superman film, I'll love. Because that, that was absolutely the difference. I love the Christopher Reeve Superman films. They were one of my childhood favourites. Did you know, did you know, that, that Ben Affleck has not only played Batman, he played Superman. All right. He, he played um, George Reeves in a biopic. Shit, yes. Superman, yes. And he played George Reeves. And uh, it is... A phenomenal film because he died under mysterious circumstances, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, Ben Affleck has he played Daredevil, Batman, and Superman. <laughs> so he's done well. So he's came he's in... done well. Well, the only reason he did Daredevil was because it was Frank Miller. Yeah, he's a huge Frank Miller fan, and he always said, "I'm never going to play a Batman. They're never going to give me that role." So <laughs> when Daredevil come knocking on his door, and it was. Frank Miller, he was like, yes, yes, I, I will. And I, he had no idea of the way that it was going to play out and how I cannot bring myself to watch that film um, because that is not, that is not my match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the re- it, was, it was all Frank Miller. That's why but, he did it. And I love Ben Affleck as yeah. a Batman. Yeah. Don't you think, though, looking at Bat- the way Affleck plays Batman now, he would be the perfect in, perfect. The, in the Dark Knight Returns? Oh, I got, I got a, I got goosebumps going down my legs when you said that because perfect. And I thought that's the route they were mm. going with yeah. when it was announced because I said he is perfect, is an older Bruce mm. Wayne, mm-hmm. perfect, like it, jaded but, and I know the touched yeah. on it and stuff, but I, like I say, we'll never know what was going to happen with the Snyderverse after, like I say, but well, the oh. fans got their way, they got their got their way when it came down to the um, Snyder cut. You never know, they might get this petition going in order to um, <laughs> for Warner Brothers to let him continue on. I doubt that he will. No. I, I would have loved to have seen... No, I'm not bothered about Zack Snyder. I just would have loved to have seen Affleck just play him more. I wanted to see more of him. I thought he mm. was really good. I am, I'm going to be honest, I'm not excited about Robert Pattinson. I'm not mad mm. that Robert Pattinson's playing Batman. I, it, it doesn't make me angry, but... I'm really not bothered about watching it. I, I, I was a bit okay. sceptical, but when I saw the new trailer, I have to admit that trailer sold us and like the new take on some of the characters that they've brought in. Um, but the only thing that's worrying about that, again, it's just going through here, so there's a lot of talk behind the scenes that not it's not working out, shall we say, the way that everyone's wanting to so i think this mm-hmm. might be a one and done for patterson to be honest but we shall wait it's a see. shame it is a shame because i don't mind like i'll never get 
I'll never have an opinion when it comes down to a person playing a character. I can't. Like, I have my opinions of who I would have liked to, but Batman is so... Oh, you could do it in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. You can you can have your old man, you can have your, mm -hmm. your young man, you can have your even younger man. You know, mm -hmm. There's so many different age groups you could fit with him. And I don't think Robert Patterson gets the... The what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think he get he gets a lot of the appreciation that he probably should. I think Twilight really has hindered yeah. everyone's opinion on him because that's what they look at. You don't look at the work he's done after that. That oh. he's a really good actor. Yeah, I, I know. I I'd say I think he's been harshly done by, but um, it's a, it's a hard one. But I I am very excited as well of the return of Michael Keaton in the Flash uh, movie as. Uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. I cannot wait to see what they do with this. If they if they mess up Flashpoint Paradox, I will be livid. It is one of my favorite animated films. It is there is it is perfect. It is a perfect animated film with so much going on and so many twists and turns. It's just it's fantastic. If they can take anything from that and put it into what they're doing, you've got an absolute winner on their hands. Mm -hmm. it, I really am interested in this. Like, I really am. I love the guy who's playing The Flash at the minute. Mm -hmm. And I always used to be a bit funny that it was it would never be Grant from the TV series. Well, it's probably, he's going to be in the Flashpoint film, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Grant Crossan, it was just brilliant as Barry Allen. We, me and Ant were hardcore into the flash and yeah. i think when it started it started to get a bit like not as interesting we just we lost off but the first few series was just yeah. we were hard they it was the flash arrow and peggy carter on a thursday night i used to come home from work and it was just doo -doo -doo, straight on all three of them it was great times for comic book television so with anything they can say that's went on too long but I think American shows do that too often these days now yeah they but, don't know when to stop <laughs> yeah but I think that's a, a conversation for another podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yes that's, great. Oh, that's so a yes. good good choice cool so it's right. your, your number four now my number four is, is from the DC Black Label and mm -hmm. um, I can't pronounce the writer of this book <laughs> it is Japan Shushik. <laughs> I have watched a hundred people do a review on this book and not one person has been able to say his name right. <laughs> um, it was released in 2019. I picked it up. I was again I, I go in and out of how I how in and out of comics. I'm like, I'm hardcore into it, or I'm like, oh, I lax a bit. And I read, I hadn't read an issue for a while, and I went on a website to find out the hot comics of 2000, like what to read of 2019. This came up on the, the first item that it was a must read, but you need to read the three parts. I don't just they get all three. So I did digitally, got them straight away. I had a, a sinus infection and it kept it, it kept us up three o'clock in the morning, picks this up, did not fit, did not put it down, didn't care how ill I was, I had to finish it. And it is Harleen. Ah, I never actually it is. That. I did see it, but I... it is amazing. I am not by any stretch a Harley Quinn fan. Mm -hmm. I am not. I, I've never found myself like getting hardcore into Harley. Um, yeah. I do enjoy. I do enjoy the Harley Quinn 
animated show with Kelly Coco at the moment. That is brilliant. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I'm not a hardcore Harley fan, so I didn't know how this was going to go. But my God, it is absolutely stunning. It is the origin of Harley Quinn. Did it three parts, so there's three books to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artwork is, it's all done by, it's all done by the writer. I cannot say his name. It's so hard. But he has done work on another comic book um, that I love. I think it was Rat Queens. Was it Rat Queens that he did? Yeah, it was Rat Queens. Um, and he his work is just absolutely unreal. Some of the, the I remember when I when I finished it, I took some screenshots of some of the panels, and they are just absolutely beautiful. This is Harleen from like basically going from Harleen to Harley. Yeah. In three books, and her relationships with the Joker, obviously. Mm-hmm. Her relationships with Poison Ivy, and um, her relationship with herself, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times that when she's Harley, Harleen is standing in front of her, and reminding her of who she is, mm-hmm. what she can do, what you know, the education that she has, how to interpret people, and um, she's it's just absolutely phenomenal. And I didn't, I think it was the first one of the DC Black Label I picked up, and I didn't expect anything from it, and just got so much it is yeah. mindful absolutely brilliant book i'll admit i've never read it so i saw i think i like say when i was going through the time when i kind of fell out, out of love of comics for for a year or two mm-hmm. just because i was it was just it happens. so bloated and i i was trying to stay with um i'm trying to think of his name now because it was the batman run and it just wasn't going anywhere mm. um, oh was it um with the scott snyder's run or no no not snyder. i don't know something king was it king i can't remember but when it was going through all the jokers wars and all that bullshit and it was just boring like even the artwork was dull and like fair enough a few of the covers were a bit interesting but mm-hmm. I, it's I, really easy to do that though like marvel is like I, I, I don't really follow a lot of DC, so Mar- Marvel is so exhausting. The mm. amount of like reboots that they did, and like let's bring it all back to issue one again. We're gonna yeah. new big event, and I know that they've put a stop to that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just got exhausting. Like you had Secret Invasion, then you had all new all Marvel, and then you've got um, which is the one where it all ended, and it, then they started again, and. It just got it got exhausting to the point where you cannot keep up with it anymore. At least Marvel made a joke about it because, like I said, didn't they brought out um, what was it Deadpool ki- kills the Marvel universe and, and stuff like that just to show like it was like a piss take on a Deadpool going around yeah. killing everything. And I know yeah. they've done like the Punisher as well, but um, yeah, um, it's probably the one I've I've probably missed because um, like I do find. The interest, like the Harley aspect, more interesting now due to, as you said, watching the TV show with uh, the cartoon. Yeah, that has that has helped. Because that, that has, has been a, a brilliant portrait, and like, I never thought like Penny from uh, the Big Bang Theory would be swearing, cussing her head off, falling in love with Poison Ivy, and uh, Killer Shark being the most lovable person I've ever met as well. You know, oh my god, I love him, but did, wasn't that relationship so natural? Yes. Like you could understand that mm-hmm. transition for them too, because they, it was 
it's, felt so, so, it's, it's just so beautiful to watch them. Yeah, I felt sorry for Kite Man, though. That was a bit sad. <laughs> I love him. He's so great. <laughs> I, just, I got a big surprise from that because I'm not really, like, I don't get excited that Harley Quinn was going to be in the Suicide Squad. I didn't get, I like, I didn't get excited that she had her own film coming out. Mm-hmm. I love Margot Robbie. I think she's doing a fantastic job of it. I'm just not a fan of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did help because that book is, it was hard to put down. Yeah. You were just so gripped with that thought process. And because that's all it is, like Harley's the narrator. Yeah. And it's just her, it's just her throughout it like oh it just it gives you so much depth into who she actually she's not just this person who's in love with the joker she's mm-hmm. so much more than that yeah and i know the animated series is doing a hell of a job mm-hmm. bringing that aspect out and obviously with the relationship with, with poison ivy even just like not just the love relate but the friendship yeah like their friendship i remember reading a few issues of harley and poison ivy and their friendship is like everything like when it when anytime she when the when bloody the Joker strapped her to a rocket and sent her off, it was Ivy who picked her up. Yeah, like it was. She was just so so stupid to go back to her back to him. Then I love the fact in the series, she didn't. Yeah. No. Oh, I just love it. Love it. And that cool. book is just it's a it's a hard one to talk about because it is an origin story, and I would love if so if you would pick it up, without mm-hmm. me trying to like go in and, and ruin it. It is a really good really good oh, read. So that's my oh. number four pick. Cool. Holly. So I've left left this one for last, because again, just simply it is my favourite comic, full stop that I've read countless times over the years. Um, mm-hmm. It's just perfect. Uh, they've done loads of different versions. Again, I'm going to do similar what I've done for the last one. I'm going to read a quote, just because I love this quote. It just it's from my other than Batman my favourite comic book character that has ever been wrote about uh, it was the most interesting and and I related to him because I could see his point of view but um, you'll know it straight away um, so I'll do the quote again <clears throat> the accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will form up about their waist and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout save us and I'll look down and whisper, no. Which was Alan Moore's again, which is... Watchmen! Watchmen, yes. And you, we've mentioned it. Just Sorry, Charlie Brogan. <laughs> <laughs> it's when, yeah. it's the, when you went the whole bit, I was like, ah, oh, I know where you're at now. <laughs> it, as a comic, I'd say, again, I picked this up in graphic novel just because the cover for the graphic novel, that white... I mean, sorry, that yellow cover with yellow. the red, the, the red. So yeah. it's so striking, and you think, oh, what, what's this about? And again, with Alan Moore, it is quite political, and it's shown about the Americans' Cold War and like how but it's, different it's aspects. Also a, it's also a crime story. Yes, it's, it's also like it's an investigation crime patient. story going on in the background. And oh, Paul. Now, I could have picked this one, but I didn't because this is the one I knew you would pick. I could not pick it. This is why. I've, like I say, I left it last because I've never been blown away. Other than, like we say, reading, like as I said, DC, Batman, like stuff mm-hmm. from youth. This was an adult comic. This is when yeah. you realised comics weren't for kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most likely, and their tones and 
everything was just grime, disgusting, and corruption. As, as it's just meaty, and everything about it is just flaws. And there's characters that you love that you shouldn't love, like Rorschach as a character. He's horrible. He's a piece of shit mm. human being, but he's got the right idea. He's got a good heart, and he's got the he's got good intentions. He's just never mm. he never puts them down properly. Yes. Um, and these masks, that whole very... mask that changes <sighs> and keep the, going. Oh, for, it's phenomenal for an um, idea as a concept. Absolutely brilliant. This is what I mean. This is what I'm like. I would love to just sit down and like, how do you get there? How do you how do you get that from your head onto paper? Mm-hmm. Because it's so the, the 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 world he created is so oh complex, and the people he made in there as well. And mm-hmm. um, I can understand why he, to a certain degree, why he didn't like the film. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't like anything. Like I said, he doesn't like anything that comes out of his. Yeah. But and the but I personally really like I think it's beautifully done the cinematography of it the costumes mm-hmm. look how I ex- how I would have expected them to look yeah uh, I think again with the film the biggest problem I've got is the change to the big or the big mm-hmm. elephant in the room the squid which again I can understand why they've done it because it doesn't make sense in a film mm-hmm. but it made sense in the comic and it made sense yeah. to the story they were telling they wanted to make, uh, like I say, Doctor Manhattan the big villain in, uh, or portray him as the villain in the thing because he was all powerful. Mm-hmm. So again, it made sense to do that turn. But if we're talking about the film, that opening with when it goes through all the Minutemen and the Bob Dylan song "Times Are a Changing" playing in the background, mm-hmm. I've not seen an opening done better. Comic book, TV, any any type of film that is on the nail, perfect, it, yeah. done. Yeah. The the television series that came out last year, brilliant, was the one of the it was the best thing I watched. I me and Anth were just blown exactly. away with it. Oh, he's disappeared. Oh, he's just put a light on. <laughs> I, was get, I, was, I was just getting. Do- I was realizing I was getting darker and darker. Doing it this day, you're getting darker and darker. My room's getting lighter and lighter because <laughs> the sun sets on the, my window. <laughs> um. The series was absolutely phenomenal, and I am so glad they are not doing anything else with it. This is it. Mm-hmm. That was it. What you yes. got there, that was it. And it was perfect. And then just the nods that they did throughout, mm-hmm. like to recognize the fan service that was done in and the bits that changed was done absolutely spot on as well. Like the mm-hmm. whole, um, was it, wasn't the Black Hood? What was the. I can't remember his name now. The Hood of Justice, was it? Yes. The Hood of Justice backstory, mm-hmm. that, that was done phenomenally well with such taste and class, which you don't really hear in a comic book. And no. the amount of stuff it brought into light, um, like I said, there was probably, like, I don't think anyone in the UK, and I've, I think quite a bit of Americans didn't even know about the Tulson massacre Tulsa, mm-hmm. uh, at the start. And that brought into light that whole premise. And when you read... The, the person who made the TV show, he said the only reason he made Watchmen was because the, the the people who in charge said he could do that and he wanted to bring that to light to the public, which again is is bringing that type of topic in what was essential, a fucking comic book, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you don't expect, yeah. but again, as Absolutely. I said, 
perfect standout star standout star in that was regina king oh 100 100 she nailed that performance and yet the ending oh i get goosebumps when i think about it because it's like do you know when you don't think you you get an ending of a program and you're like oh, you're not really that satisfied there's something quite missing and the mm. like game of thrones for example <laughs> at the end of it at the yeah. end of it we're all like shaking our heads and holy shit what we've just watched mm. but the fact that she that ending there satisfied everything everything, mm-hmm. everything. Kind of, i didn't need any more it kind of it was what inception wanted with the spinning top mm-hmm. but didn't quite get yes yes <laughs> exactly i don't need to question that ending to how I did with that fucking top. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. It was, if nobody has seen it, it is so worth your time. Yeah. It was well, one of the, apart from Tiger King, the best thing me and Ant watched last year during lockdown. It was absolutely unreal. I'm sure she won awards for that. If she didn't, she deserves them all because <laughs> Regina King was fantastic in it. Yeah. Such a good story. And they stayed close to the comic, right? So, they made yep. giant squids work, and yep. uh, Jeremy Irons was chewing the same <gasps> as Osmandius. As, as Mandius, sorry. Um, but who but, cares? He did him. He did him so well. Oh, it yes. was so good. But and that's the way Osmandius was in the comics as yep. well. Uh, he was self-sufficient asshole. Yep. Like say, everyone fell in love with like say Night Owl and and you should hate the comedian, but you can't in a way. He's, he's the ultimate douchebag, which is putting it politely. Great Jeffrey D. Morgan in the in the um he, he looked mm, exactly the like him. Yeah. He just looked exactly like him. It was perfect. But yeah, you want to hate him, but you can't. Mm-hmm. But you really should. Yeah. The only bad thing about the comic, this is again not to be doing it down, that did try and like build on it without, I don't think Alan Moore was involved because they've done it before as Watchmen where they told different stories and they did actually the Doomsday um, which yeah, wasn't too bad. Yeah, that confused us though. Because with, again, I, I could be wrong but I believe Watchmen was another Vertigo type of extension. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't part, think Vertigo exists anymore, does it? No, no, I got, that's what the Black Label is now, pretty much. So that, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but... Um, so then, the, with the, with Doomsday, they the brought the Watchmen into, like say, as with the multiverse, into mm-hmm. DC, and like say, Doctor Manhattan brought some of the characters with them. Uh, so you had Rorschach fighting against Batman, and uh, well, it wasn't Rorschach; it was another Rorschach who like was interpreted as Rorschach, but because mm-hmm. Rorschach, if you read the comics, Rorschach exploded <laughs> and left a nice pretty print on the snow, which is one of the most iconic panels I've seen in a comic as well that blood Amazing. that makes out the Rorschach symbol after Doc Manhattan it was uh, like John, it was like when Jon Snow got stabbed and you could see the blood going into the thingy and it looked like a wolf mm-hmm. that's not on the same level I should never have brought that up I'm really sorry <laughs> no, it's fine like see it's all different <laughs> reference points but even the, even the ending of Watchmen where something as simple as uh, the thought they'd got away with it and thought they changed the world. And then, uh, like I said, Rorschach's journal turned up in the Git journalist's uh, pile, which 
Um, Such a clever bastard, isn't he? <laughs> yes. But uh, just to show that Rorschach was the true hero in Watchmen in my eyes. Mm, definitely. Definitely. He was such an interesting... In... Oh, just there were so many levels to him. He was like an mm. onion, wasn't he? Just mm. if you, you thought you'd figured him out yeah. and then another peel would just come off. And the guy, I can't remember his name now, but the guy who played him in the Wash, uh, in the Watchmen films, done him, was it Haley James? <laughs> but it, he'd done what, Rorschach as I don't think anyone else could do him. And he'd done it no. so well. Um, and again... Can imagine, he's doing, it all, he's doing all that. Hmm. He's doing he's doing nothing essentially because he's hidden behind the mask, uh, the mask mm-hmm. but he's still like that voice, mm-hmm. that the, emotion, no, or the, emotionless. Yeah, and the biggest thing for me as well, what I loved about the comic is when Rorschach goes to jail, and he, and they try and get him, and he turns around to the other prisoners and goes, "You don't realize I'm not in j- prison with you. You're locked in here with me." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you have no like you you have no idea how messed up this could get. <laughs> I love it. I know. I, I always I, I never could quite figure out how he ended up with them group of people because it just doesn't feel like he would. He would have, that would have been his thing. Yeah, but I think but with because like say with the Minutemen, how it changed through the years and like got the different yeah. type things and him being like say a superhero. Um, it's hard to call him a superhero. He's like Batman. If Batman went wrong, type thing. <laughs> That's probably why I do like him. <laughs> He's Batman <laughs> without the money and without the charm. <laughs> there was it, you know, I, there was one panel in there where it described how he smelled, and it really <laughs> did turn my stomach every time I saw him. I was like, I've got to think about smell. Like I, I always think that Johnny Depp would smell absolutely disgusting because he smokes licorice cigarettes. Right. Every time I look at him, that's all I can get. That <laughs> can't get that out my head. Right. So it was the same with him. Mm. I couldn't get it out my head how bad you will smell. How bad you smell. Like it really bothered us. <laughs> so strange. I shouldn't say these things out loud. People, they. I do myself no favors. <laughs> that's fine. Don't worry. But yes. Uh, so that's my final pick. And again, Amazing. I'd, 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 I don't know many people that. Like who likes comics, who hasn't read Watchmen? And yeah, this I, is like this is one on one. This is like this mm-hmm. is where you, you, you get your your comic education is through picking mm-hmm. these books up. Yeah, and again, probably my choices are the most predictable of the choices. I've not tried to be too out there. I've not tried to be too clever with them. I've just went ones that no. do I do mean mean the world to us. This is and this is this is what I said. I'm not going to be a smart ass about about comics because. I can't hold a conversation with them type of books, but what I can hold a conversation with is the ones that I fucking love. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why I love them. And, and sometimes it's not even just like the story, like the story could be really piss poor, mm-hmm. no, but it, it just how it made us or how I was at the time of when I read it. And like, it's always from, a comes from a feeling. And this is really like, it, it leads me into my last pick perfectly because essentially it's it's not a, it's not the best comic book in some people's opinion they think it might be a little bit too far out there and mm-hmm. um, it's from 2009 mm-hmm. i could not do a comic book list without bringing this woman into it so it's gonna have a uh, bat girl then is it no nope. all right i apologize i'll apologize <laughs> nope. it's, the woman is the writer right i have followed this woman 
since the day I started reading comic books. Um, she, I have wrote articles, lovely. I literally wrote, when I was working for Comic Book Underground, I wrote a love letter to this person. <laughs> and she read it. All right. Has she got the um, restraining order in place already, has she? <laughs> Probably. But she did read it, and I was absolutely ecstatic. Um, I, I, I love... Um, I'm going to say this right. I do have a lot of love, a lot of love for women writers, women creators. And she was, she is always and will always be my number one. It's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And if anyone knows me, they know fine well, I was going to say her name. And if Brandon's <laughs> listening to this from when um, he would have known straight away who I was talking about. Kelly Sue is my feminist icon. I love her so much. She is the writer behind higher, higher, further, faster. She is. She brought Captain Marvel to what you see right now. She is actually in the Captain Marvel film. You, what you're getting cinematically is coming from her and Jamie McAlvery. Um, and I didn't bring. I didn't mention Carol. I didn't mention Captain Marvel, which would surprise a lot of people because I wanted this one to go in the pick because it, I do. It, it is a really good book and it. And it, I got it at a perfect time when I had a very bad experience with um, in, a, in Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 2000 2009, no, 2014, 2014. It's December 2014. This first issue is coming out and I'm in Forbidden Planet. I am there for this reason because this book is coming out because I've been a Kelly fan for a bit. Um, and I picked this book up and I have a look because I always have a look to see if there's any new first issues coming out. And I think it was a time when Sam was Sam Wilson's Captain America was hitting the stands, and um, so I picked that up because so I thought, oh, that's iconic. And um, Angela, Angela, and is it Angela Marvel? I think it was or Angelina or something like that. Um, and I had a group of men behind us berating the shit out of us because I was standing there picking up comic books and they were horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. And I could not muster the words to be the one. Well, I bet she doesn't know this and I bet she doesn't know that. Well, why don't you go and ask her? Well, ask her this. She's not going to know anything about this. And I could not turn around and say anything because I was fucking terrified. Yeah. Um, but so isn't that, that, that that's the whole gatekeeping culture, isn't it? Saying, "Oh, this person shouldn't be allowed that because they haven't experienced this, or shouldn't yeah. shouldn't own or wear that because they haven't listened to this." It, it's it's a horrible subculture culture that comes in to everything, and I think horrible. In, in, it was in, horrible in, experience. Yeah. I know I, you hear like you hear people having them, and I don't expect to have it myself. But it was I think it was like looking at a Deadpool issue, Deadpool issue, mm-hmm. and they were like, "For." She, she thinks she's going to pick that up. She'll not have a clue. And I'm like, I'm on a minute. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know my shit. I can hold a conversation, but would them words come out of my mouth? They would no. not. So I up and left. I was really upset by it all. I went home, got on the internet, got under my friends on Facebook and said, told them what had happened. And my lovely friend, Brandon, and I hope he's listening to this, made it very clear that is not how mm-hmm. people are. It's a handful of people. Yeah who were you know, rotten apples, but everyone else is so supportive of women in comics. And um, 
But if you, you are feeling down in the blues, I recommend, and people know where I'm going to go with this because I say it any time that I possibly can. He says, I recommend you watch this documentary. It's just come out. It's only like six pounds. Go and get it. So I did. And it was, I watched it. It's called She Makes Comics. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the women of the comic industry. So the, the reason you have, so Ramona Frandon is a comic book artist from the 50s, from the, the Silver Age of comics. And she, the reason you have Batman and Superman and Aquaman all look the way they do is because of her. Mm-hmm. Up until then, they were boxed men with big muscles and a tiny waist so and these big legs. <laughs> She creatively sculpted how they should be looking. And she did Aquaman for so many years. Like she is the reason you have the, the, the sculpture of your comic book hero without looking ridiculous because she did that. A woman did that. There is it, it's brilliant, but Kelly Sue is a part of that. So get Rob Lightfield to watch it because his body shape's not the greatest, shall we say? Oh my god. <laughs> Let's not get into Rob Lightfield at the minute. <laughs> Um, but Kelly Sue is part of that documentary and then this book couldn't have this book that I'm me pick couldn't have come out at a better moment and it's called Bitch Planet right there it is it is it is a it is a homage to exploitation women prison movies of the 1960s and 1970s basically it's a planet where men rule all Mm-hmm. And women who are non-compliant will be taken off planet, off the earth, onto a planet, which is a prison. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the reasons they're in there for is unreal. There is one character who is there. Sounds she, like a Russ Myers film. <laughs> oh, it is unreal. She um she wouldn't she wouldn't allow her husband to have an affair. Right. And the husband sent her off to the prison so we could then have his mistress. <laughs> this is how control the men have it. It just, I went for that reason to pick mm-hmm. this book up and had that experience in that shop and then came home and read it. Yeah. And I had never felt more fucking powerful reading this book, watching that documentary and just having Kelly like just running through us. Yeah. Um, I wish, I mean, I, I probably could have picked Captain Marvel, like, because, again, it's a, it's just, she was, she's someone who did, she didn't need a man to hold a hand, but it didn't, it wasn't something that was, like, thrown in your face, like, she didn't yeah. make it, like, like, Ray from Star Wars, when she constantly keeps telling him to get, get off a hand, she didn't need to do that, she just has to pull it away, she doesn't have to see it, she mm-hmm. just needed to pull her hand away, and Kelly's very, was very good at doing that when it came to Carol. I love Carol so much. I even was interviewed by the BBC. <laughs> I will find the article. It's, I have the article still saved on my Facebook. But I was interviewed by the BBC when the new Captain Marvel film came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. I love. I love her. But this just came at the right Mid-time. fucking time. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a shame that you had to go through that type of experience. And like, yeah, as a bloke, and, and, and again, I, I know it wasn't me, but it, it's it's a horrible thing for you to go through because like I say I'll never probably have to go through that fair enough um probably the only th- way I could relate is like a f- few years ago I was playing football 
Um, and again, I'm not the most skinniest of blokes. Like I say, I have piles of pounds on for a while and I turned up at a match and some lads on the other team turned around and went, look at that fat cunt over there. Oh uh, this is going to be an easy game. So I end up tearing them apart because like I say, some people don't know that, but I am, well, a few years ago, I used, to be, I used to be semi-pro footballer. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it, is, it, 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 is, it is a bit of a shocking type of, um, like I say, rel- it is, it's, it's hard to relate because but. But people you've just you've just related right there you, mm. you, you can relate it, it it it's just different aspects of different things and that it was so surreal that the reason I was going into the shop in the first place was to pick bitch planet up which mm-hmm. is a feminist book to then have that happen to then <laughs> go home and the reassurance I got from the community was massive. Yeah massive um, and I've never had that I've never had that experience since and mm-hmm. um, even though I used to do YouTube with Carolyn who's been on here and we never got anything to say we don't belong in here yeah whenever we talked about pop culture comics or anything like that we were never told we don't belong here so I've I never had a, that yeah experience I, I am before. a big I'm, I am a big believer in that and like say with starting up the Facebook group as well like that community we have stayed with that ethos as much mm-hmm. as we can where we are trying to be as inclusive there's nothing uh, and yeah, that's we off are just topic. One. and exactly. and no one's opinion is wrong no one's opinion mm-hmm. is right as well that that that's the main part i know as i said people will when it comes to the nerdisms or gay culture they will defend it but i oh yeah and i totally I, get that like i i understand i will i'll defend a lot of things um, but I will never get nasty about it. No, you can, no. there's no need to. That you yeah. can have a conversation with somebody where it doesn't need to get nasty. And to be honest, let's be honest. Them people behind you in that comic book store has probably never smelt a girl before in their lives, so never mind being near one. So there was, um, there was at you, least three of them, and I can always remember I could hear them, hmm. and I thought, don't turn around. I'm not a confrontational person. I may come yeah. across like. I've got a bit of confidence in us, but I really don't. I'm not a yeah. confrontational person. Um, and and I didn't know what to say. Yeah. And what just to say, say now, if, if them three people are listening to this podcast, fuck you. <laughs> what the fuck? Your little finger came up? Why is that coming up? <laughs> your little finger just decided to pop up out of for no reason. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, go fuck yourselves. Like, and yeah. anyone else who's experienced anything like that, you are totally welcome. You are, you know, it's not just a boys, it's not boys club at all. No. These groups are for us as well as they are for men. Yes, and as we've seen through the podcast as well, the, the most of our guests have been females. Women! <laughs> They've been women. Unless Sean gets his little ass on, the, on here as well to give us Please, a bit of support. <laughs> I, need to, I need to meet the person who he keeps talking about. Um, but going back to bitch, just going back <laughs> to Bitch Planet a second. Yeah. Um, it's ten issues that ran from 2014 to 2017, and had five issues, like a limited issue, coming out in 2017. This book has done my tits in with regards to it hasn't had an issue in ages, and she said it's not finished. Kelly, sort it out. Like I need more. I need I need more of these women in my life. Like the, it's just it's. It's very bright and it's very, <laughs> you will get very angry over it. But what the best part about it is Kelly has a newsletter. So she does a newsletter where she talks and then she lets everyone, you know, how you see in the back of comic books, 
people write in. Mm -hmm. So you see on the back, can you remember back in the day where it used to be like a little coupon that says if you send this off with a dollar yeah, or X-ray glasses, X-ray glasses. <laughs> right there, it's right there. If you sent that off from this book, you would have gotten X-ray glasses. But then you would have, de you would have destroyed the, you. you would have destroyed the, con uh, like the book. The book. And, yeah, uh -huh. so. Well, that's why you buy two. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that. Um, but, but yeah, anything I, I'm going to be impressed here. now if you pull out the glasses. Have you got the glasses? I have not. <laughs> I did not do that because I generally just thought this was just part of the gimmick that, you know, of the 60s and 70s. And it wasn't until the next issue that she said, you do realize you can go and get these things. Now, this here, this NC, this is a massive, like this, you type in non-compliant tattoo that will appear everywhere. It's become a symbol of a feminist, I, I don't want to say a feminist movement because it might not be everyone gets it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, non-compliant. This is the reason why these women are in this prison for, and it all just depicts on what the men feel is non-compliant. Mm -hmm. It is such a good read. It just it comes with a bizarre story that it probably <laughs> went on longer than what it should have. But it all leads up to why I love this book so much. No problem. There you go. Bitch planet. Bitch planet. So you went, so yeah, again, I, as, as you probably tell, I've never read it, so it might be something I might look into. A lot of people have never heard of it. It's it's from, um, it's from Image, it's mm -hmm. from Image Comics. Um, people, some people have never heard of it. It's just, I am a massive Kelly Sue fan. Um, mm -hmm. I do recommend um, she reads comics, like, not just for the, the women's side. It's a really interesting um, take on the history of comics through like women's side, like um, obviously got, talking about Marie Severin who mm -hmm. worked in Marvel um, you know Marie was one of the most hard work hardest working people in the bullpen in Marvel they they said in the documentary you didn't you didn't go to her because she was the best you went to her to get the job done yeah. because she was that fast mm -hmm. she was she was on par with heart, like the majority of the men that were in there and um, she she passed away not long ago um, I did a I did an article on her. She's such such an interesting person. She's just the art. She she went into um, merchandise with Marvel. Right. She did a lot of like the merchandise for Marvel when they started releasing toys. Mm -hmm. um, and then you obviously you got Ramona Frandon who did Aquaman. And then you've got your more recent um, female comic book writers: you Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone, um, Yashandra. Oh, yeah, I cannot remember Chandra's surname, but she's married to the guy who's from Coheed and Cambria. So if you know who his is surname, that's Chandra's surname. She, um, it's just, it's just really interesting, and also goes into how DC was run by a woman at one point, <laughs> and she comes. She is just the baddest bitch I have ever seen. Power suits and everything. It was she's phenomenal. Um, really interesting documentary. Cool. There we go. That's my top my top five. I, Great. I bet you thought it was going to all be Marvel. I thought you were going to be at the majority. I was expecting, like, say, with you being Marvel girls. So your surprise is a little bit. But... Yes, I went. I had a ratio. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I can see. It was one of them situations with these picks. I didn't want to overthink it. I just wanted to go from, yeah. I can see the gut really with these, which I think works works better for me because I know, like I said in the past, I have overthink forty picks and regretted it a little bit. By this time, yeah. it's kind of you worked haven't. out. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, yes, no, I, I think 
I think I'm happy with the way that my picks turned out because I was very honest with myself. Like I'm not, this is, this is exactly what I would, if, if you'd have just asked us randomly, I would have listed these out completely. Cool. So yeah, that's it. That's our top five of the week. Um, great stuff. <laughs> you never know how like to get into the ending of things. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's good. But like I say, thank you very much for everyone who's listened. Um, like I say, I hope you've enjoyed. If you like, again, if you've got any feedback, if you agree or disagree with any of your choices, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Let us not just know in the comments, but let us know on Facebook. Like let's let's have a deep, like have a good comic book conversation because you, you, I don't think a lot of them. <laughs> Or if I do, I'm missing them, so I'm sorry. That's fine, don't worry. But, um, yep, like I say, remember, like I say, join our Facebook community. It's up to 2,400 members now, which has grown crazy, crazy big. Uh, just just search, uh, I was going to say Facebook again. Uh, you were going to, you were going to do it? <laughs> search, because uh, you've got in your head off doing it the other week. Uh, Nerdy mm-hmm. Up North community. Uh, again, go on Instagram, Nerdy Up, uh, just search Nerdy Up North. Uh, like I say, I do post a lot of things just randomly, just because... Uh, it's fun um like i said there's a lot of interesting awesome. people on there uh, and also like i said follow us on youtube like please subscribe comment like um just search nerdy up north itunes and spotify um i know sam's a little bit more educated when it comes to uh, itunes like i say i don't really use I it i get all my podcasts from there if you are subscribed to itunes the, the algorithm is a lot of people will see it more if you five star rate us or even four star like whatever rating you want to give and leave a comment on there that the more you comment the more you rate the more the algorithm picks it up and people more people start to see it and if we can grow this community this is just this is what we're looking to do is just grow and get more people involved within the facebook group within the podcast so yay please go do it well sam it's been a pleasure like i say we'll be back again uh, in a week's time discussing possibly having a new guest for the next week so watch this space and same bat time same bat channel and stay nerdy everyone bye bye bye